Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast at jconline.com and through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen covers produce sports for the Lafayette Journal and Courier and jconline.com. Uh, a little bit later than normal uh, with our post game look ahead uh, podcast after Purdue lost at Notre Dame. Um, not really a lot to dissect in the Notre Dame game other than, you know, will David Bell play this week? That That's the major question after the hard hit by Kyle Hamilton in the fourth quarter. Uh, he's in concussion protocol, Jeff Brom said on Monday, and that's when we're recording this. Uh, you know, we'll see where that ends up uh, by the end of the week. I wouldn't expect anything concrete uh, before Thursday. Might get an answer Thursday, but if not Thursday, then we're probably taking this up to game time. Uh, on Saturday, Bell is a guy that you know can can miss practice, but still be effective in a game. Uh, Purdue probably has a handful of those players that that could do that. Um, but you know, it, it's a wait and see on David Bell. They they obviously need him. They they have to have him out there to be uh, uh, more effective on the offensive end. Uh, you know, he is their playmaker. He is their he is their guy that will that will make. The, the big plays for them in the passing game. And the other thing that, that complicates matters a little bit is that Marshawn Rice is now out for an extended period of time with a foot injury. So you've taken away potentially David Bell. You've taken away his backup in Marshawn Rice, which, you know, Marshawn, Marshawn was just getting into the, the, the rhythm of things here uh, in the early part of the season. And I, I thought that he might have an opportunity to, to, to continue to progress and continue to have uh, a chance to to show what he's all about, but uh, that that progress is on hold right now. So that I mean that leaves the receiving room if you don't have David Bell with uh, Milton Wright as your number one guy, and I, mean, I think we all know the struggles that Milton has had hanging on to the ball, uh, and that's that's he did catch a touchdown against the Irish, but. You know, he's been inconsistent in that area. Um, just, you know, being able to make the plays that need to be made. Um, and then you, you go with Brock Thompson, the transfer from Marshall, uh, as probably your second uh, wide receiver on the perimeter. Uh, then beyond that, Abdur Rahim uh, Yassin, who, who did get in the game a little bit on, on Saturday would be there. Colin Sullivan uh, would be there. And then your slot receivers, uh, Jackson Anthrop and uh, TJ Sheffield. So Purdue, you know, which was a deep receiving core during training camp, all of a sudden doesn't seem as deep. And, and when you take away David Bell, you know, which one of those guys are you, If is the defense going to pay attention to the most? Or do they just play... You know, straight up, you can press man those guys. You don't need to have much help. Or is there is there a Milton Wright that you're going to shade a little bit toward? Uh, but everybody else is pretty much unknown from a Big Ten standpoint. You know, I think Brock Thompson could be a could be a, a factor. Um, but is he going to scare teams into double covering him? Um, so a lot of questions now about the week going in, about the offense. The offense, you know, against Notre Dame um, did struggle. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of that just had to do with who they, who they were playing. 
Uh, Notre Dame's front seven is pretty good. You know, they got a guy in the back half, too, that's pretty good, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, but, you know, Purdue did get a couple of runs from King Daru that that uh, uh, that were effective, but, you know, it goes back to what the emphasis was in the offseason is that getting short yardage situation. I know there were a couple of times where uh, Purdue got eight yards on first down or nine yards on first down and then did not end up getting the first down because they could not convert. They could not execute in short yardage situations. They ended up losing yardage. And then you go back to the fourth down play in the first quarter, you know, when Purdue's up 3 nothing and they go for it at their own, uh, I believe, 34-yard line or Notre Dame's 34-yard line. And they run a sweep to Milton Wright. Well, Kyle Hampton just comes in and blows up the play. Uh, Purdue loses a yard, and that's a missed opportunity. Then Notre Dame takes that possession and goes down and scores a touchdown to go up 7-3. to three. So you, that's a potential 14-point swing there. You know, Purdue, they can convert the, the fourth down. Maybe they get in the end zone. It's 10 nothing. Um, you got a little bit more control of the game at that point. Uh, but those short yardage situations are are rearing up again against good teams, against really good teams like Notre Dame. Now, you're not going to see the level of Notre Dame in every Big Ten game, but Saturday's game at Notre Dame is is what probably Big Ten games are going to be like for Purdue, where the offense is going to have to make some plays. You're going to have to go over the top, which they didn't do a whole lot Saturday. And you're going to need your defense to keep you in the game, which I think Purdue's defense did do that for the most part Saturday until uh, the 51-yard touchdown run by Kyron Williams kind of sealed everything uh, late in the game. But, I mean, that's just how it's going to be. And your offensive line is not going to uh, be be any different. You you just can't pull somebody off the practice squad and, and put them in there. The six that, that are playing are they going to be the six that play for the rest of the season unless there's an injury. Um, and if someone was good enough to overtake one of those six, then they, they would be doing it by now. And, you know, can, you know, can Purdue's offensive line be effective, you know, against Illinois and maybe Minnesota uh, and maybe some other Big Ten teams. You know, we know they were not that effective against Notre Dame, and that's not a surprise. So it's going to be a week-to-week situation. Um, so if they can handle Illinois' front, then Purdue's going to have some success running the ball and also giving Jack Plummer time to throw. But if they can't handle that, then Jeff Brown's going to have to continue to scheme around those deficiencies on the offensive line. Uh, and the same with Minnesota. And then you're getting into Iowa, you're getting into Wisconsin, you're getting into Nebraska at that point, and then the rest of the schedule. There, there, are, there are going to be some games where Purdue's offensive line is going to hold up well because they're not facing uh, that challenging of a front. But even, even Northwestern, which seems to be on its way to a, a, a poor season, they always play physical up front. And will that physicality be the difference when Purdue plays them in late November? I know, you know, getting ahead of ourselves, but, that, you know, Purdue's offensive line, I, I'm not sure how much better it can get. 
I mean, I don't know if there's a big step waiting for this offensive line. You know, the players are who they are and who who they're going to be. Uh, you have some upperclassmen there that, you know, that's, that's just kind of who they are. Uh, so how do you work around that? How do you get the most out of them? You still have some young players there with Gus Hartwig, Spencer Holstage, uh, and Eric Miller. Um, but it's imperative that, you know, guys, those three guys along with Cam Craig take a big step forward and start to see some improvement there. Who's the one guy that you can run behind when you need a um, a third and one or a fourth and one? Well, we saw that they went to the outside. So they, they were not going to go up the middle in that situation. But, you know, the offensive line just has to to be able to perform in those short yardage situations and protect the quarterback. Um, and, I, you know, this is going to be a, a, a season-long issue. It's just not going to change overnight. Uh, you, as I said, you hope for improvement from maybe some of the younger guys to put them in a position to convert some of these short yardage um, plays that enables Purdue to keep the ball um, when they're ahead or keeps the drive alive so they can go down and take take the lead. We saw a little bit of progress, I thought, in the Oregon State game where you know Purdue needed to score, they needed to answer Oregon State scores, and they did that on offense, uh, and in part because the offensive line held up and that you know Jack Plummer threw the ball to Payne Durham, the tight end. So there were some uh, there were some signs there. You know, I don't. You know, the UConn game you really can't look at, uh, but you know, I think last week was is going to be more of an indication of of Big Ten play, and you know, and can they hold up and get something out of their out of their running game? Defensively, I, you know, going into the Big Ten, I think Purdue should feel very good about where it's at defensively. Uh, yes, they gave up three big plays on Saturday. I think those three big plays accounted for about 150 yards of Notre Dame's total yardage, which was like 44, 45% of the whole shebang. And the other 63 plays that Notre Dame ran averaged three-point yards a play. So Purdue just had, you know, there are three plays right there, and then they all went for touchdowns. One of them was on fourth down. Uh, that Purdue just had to clean up. They have to clean up those big plays. You, it, through the course of a game, you're going to give up some big plays. And through the course of a game, there are really five or six plays that where the game can turn either way. And I thought the two, the two biggest plays of the game came one in the first quarter when Purdue didn't get its fourth down when it was leading three to nothing. And then on the next possession, Notre Dame did convert its fourth down into a touchdown, and they led seven to three. I just thought those two plays were the the big plays of the games. Yes, there were other plays down down the line that Purdue could have made. Uh, there was pass interference that kept a drive alive in the second half, or second quarter, led to a field goal uh, for Notre Dame. Um, but you know Purdue just has to get a handle on those big plays against you know the quality of competition that you're playing. And you, 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 now that you're playing Big Ten teams, they all have. They all have quality playmakers somewhere on their roster, somewhere in that lineup that you're going to have to be fearful of and you're going to have to, to take away, just like Purdue does. You know, Teams take, like to take away David Bell. Um, so 
you know you've got you know you've got things like that 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 need to happen from Purdue's defense. But overall, I think you should be happy with where things are defensively, the way they're flying around. I think they got worn down a little bit in the heat and the lack of depth uh, on on Saturday at Notre Dame. Um, and of course, you, you know they're missing Corey Trice, but Jamari Brown played well enough, I thought. Uh, t- to hang in there, he had a he had a defensive pass interference call, but uh, I, I think that he's in. You know, I think Jamari Brown probably is going to get better just with time and more practice. As Trice is out for uh, Jeff Brom said today, probably two to four more weeks with an ankle injury, and uh, we'll kind of see where that goes. Cam Allen has done some work at cornerback. If if they need to move him to that position, and then you would do some shuffling within the the safety position. But you know, Jalen Alexander, linebacker, and uh, obviously George Karloftis and Demarcus Mitchell got his name called a lot more. Uh, and then your your defensive tackles. Um, you know, I think you need to be. I think you should be pleased with where the defense is at right now. Uh, this I, I kind of equate this to what happened in 2017, where the defense. Kept Purdue in the game. They they kept, you know, they they kept flipping the field or making a stop or getting a turnover, and then the offense had to take it from there. Um, and I think this season right now, that's how I would say this season's going to play out uh, for Purdue. It need, it will need its defense to to stay in every game, and it's now it's just a matter if if Purdue can score enough points. Um, you know, you give up 27 to Notre Dame which in the big picture is not horrible when you look that they scored, you know, in regulation at Florida State, that, you know, what I think they have 38 points in regulation. Uh, they scored over 30 against Toledo or close to 30. Uh, so Purdue held them kind of under their average, but that means Purdue's going to have to score more than 13 points in a Big Ten game. They're going to have to probably get in the 20s. Um, you know, and if you think if they can get to 30, then that should be uh, a comfortable number for them, assuming the defense is playing well on that on that day. But yeah, Big Ten play starting starting in um, you know I know it's September, it's a long way to go, but uh, Saturday's game against Illinois and then next week's game against Minnesota are are the two most important games of this season. Uh, Purdue, if it wants to go to a bowl game, if it which it does want to go to a bowl game, but if Purdue is going to make a bowl game, it can't lose both of these games. A split would be okay. A sweep would put them in a pretty good position to get to that bowl game because if you if you win the next two, you're four and one, you need two more wins. You've built yourself a little bit of a cushion with uh, what you have coming in the second half of the schedule and things are going to change and perceptions are going to change about what what you're facing there in the second half and they've already changed like with Michigan State they're three and0 coming off a win against Miami you know before the season started that looked like a game that was a, a winnable game for Purdue doesn't mean it's not going to be in the first of November but perceptions change things change right now. That's 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 a very that would probably be a very difficult game for Purdue based on how physical Michigan State has played uh, through the first uh, three games. Um, but it's imperative that Purdue win these next two. <coughs> excuse me, and then 
get to the off week, maybe get some guys back healthy, and you know make a run in the second part of the season. Uh, you know, even if they split these two games, uh, it's makes it harder, harder <coughs> obviously, but it it's still doable. But if you lo- if Purdue loses two, and they're two and three going into the break, well, in the second part of the season, you can already chalk up losses to Wisconsin and Ohio State. That means you got to win four of those remaining five games. And I think that's going to be a tough ask for this team. You know, that means you have to go win at Iowa. You got to win at Nebraska. You've got to beat Michigan State. You've got to beat Northwestern. You got to beat Indiana. You got to win four of those five games. You may have to end up winning three of those five games. But if you're two and three, you, you, you know, the, the backs are really against the wall. If you're four and one facing that schedule, again, you have a little bit of margin for error. You can, um, not every game you play then is a, it, it's kind of a must win. Maybe this team would operate better if every game was a must win. Maybe that's how they should approach it. Maybe that, that would be the best deal. But I think for Purdue to, to get to a bowl game this year, these next two weeks are going to define whether that happens or not. Um, and they're two winnable games for Purdue. They're both at home, and I know they've struggled with Minnesota. Uh, they will probably have to upset Minnesota, uh, assuming that they, they can beat Illinois uh, on Saturday. Uh, but then you've got Minnesota, very strong running game, very physical team. You know They've had Purdue's number basically since P.J. Fleck took over. Him and Brom came in at the same time. I know Purdue's got one win over them in the very first year. But the last... Uh, you know, the last meetings have all gone uh, to Minnesota. And they've been convincing, too. This is not like they've needed a late field goal or, you know, a bad bounce or anything like that. You know, the last three games have been dominated by Minnesota. And Purdue has, you know, they must turn that around this year, uh, you know, I think to have, uh, have a hope of playing on a bowl game. Uh, even you know even if they beat Illinois, it's going to be tough. But um, you know Purdue really needs to win these next two games, and then you go from there. Um, but anyway, Big Ten season starts. It's it's going to be interesting how this plays out. And, you know, and again, you know David Bell, we, we won't know probably till Thursday at the earliest. Maybe um, might run up to game time. Uh, so that will be very. You know, the interesting thing to watch, you know, a couple other injury notes that, that came out today. Jack Kravak, a tight end, backup tight end. He, he's done for the year with a knee injury. Um, DJ Washington, who had been playing both offense and defensive lines, he's going to be out for a while with a toe injury. Uh, so Purdue's, Purdue's depth is getting eroded. And... That's one thing that just cannot happen for this program is that it depth gets eroded because you're losing frontline players. Um, so you know we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, weather should be fantastic on Saturday. Uh, a little bit cooler than what what we're what we're used to here recently, but uh, you know it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple weeks for Purdue football to see where they stand, where they stack up. 
and kind of where they where they go from here. Appreciate you stopping by. Questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to reach out through all the the different channels, and we'll be happy to to answer whatever you you want to ask or uh, a comment. Or if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can reach me that way as well. All right, thanks for stopping by, and have a good day.